name is Megan. <laughs> Thanks to the band. Guys, can, can we maybe give the band a big hand? That was amazing. Wow. I feel two things. The one is that it's very strange being in front of the sub. The sub, if you've ever noticed, is like the line. The worship team is behind the sub and everything else happens in front of the sub, so it feels a bit weird being on the other side. Um, <laughs> the other thing is that the band practically just did the entire sermon, so I don't really even need to um, say anything. But, you know, in case, in case there's something else the Lord wants to do, I will carry on. Okay, so um, let's just pray to start off with. Oh, Father God, what a privilege to be able to be in your presence, Lord. We, we just acknowledge that it, that it is a privilege. It's not, it's not a right that we have. It's not, it's not something we can take for granted, but it's an incredible privilege, Lord. And we just thank you for this time that we've had and we are having just being in, in communion with you, Lord, encountering you, hearing from you, Father. And I just I submit myself now to you completely. Pray that you take my words, Father. I offer it as as fish and loaves tonight, Lord. And what I can give is very limited, Father. But what you can give, you can multiply. And I pray that you will multiply this word into the hearts of everyone here, Father. I pray for for every good thing, everything that is of you to take root in hearts tonight, and everything that's of me to just fall by the wayside, Lord. Um, that it would be of no effect, Lord, but above all, may you be glorified in us tonight as we, as we meet with you tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, yeah, I am Megan, I have been part of this church since it started, which was exciting, um, and my history with worship, I actually, um, sorry, I'm speaking on worship, by the way. We're busy with a worship series. <laughs> so um, a bit of a history from my side is that I grew up, I was very fortunate to grow up in a Christian home. And my mom is actually, has always been involved in worship ministry. So growing up, we constantly had worship music in the house, practicing, also plays keyboard or piano. So I grew up with that. And myself, I also learned to love uh, worship. I was, I was saved when I was five years old. And the Lord has looked after me ever since, and also also grew in in, in loving worship. Um, and I also played the piano, so I learned to play worship music. And I've been involved in worship teams for past the past fourteen years or so. So that's kind of my history with worship. It's a it's like a life a life calling or a life passion for me that I don't think is ever going to go away. Something inside of me. So. So I want to share a little bit with you about worship tonight. Um, yeah, my, my sermon is entitled, On Earth As It Is In Heaven. Um, and you, I'm sure most of us know that scripture, it's where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And part of what he says was, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what that tells me is that it's possible. It's possible to have his will on earth as it is in heaven. And I want us to look at, at worship, um, worship in heaven and worship on earth, and actually to do like an audit of our worship. Where do we, how do we match up? Are we on the level of heaven, or do we have still uh, a few things to look at before we get to that level? We're not going to get there while we're on earth. It's just, this is just a shadow of what's to come, but I felt I felt for us as a congregation that the Lord is calling us to a higher level of worship. Um, and I'm like, wow, I thought it was pretty cool, you know, where we were at. I was really enjoying it. <laughs> I mean, tonight is incredible. Again, I'm like, whoa, glory cloud, this is amazing. But that's what's incredible is the Lord is like, there's, there's more, come up, there's more. So for us to yeah, for us to have a look at ourselves and see where are we at. And I want to encourage you as well as an individual. Look at your, yourself. Look at the way that you approach worship. Look at the way you understand worship. And, and see if there's anything here that the Lord wants to, wants to shift in you in your life um, or wants to change. Or maybe it's something you've never heard before, possibly. Okay. So what I want to do is look at um, the scene of worship in heaven. 
So the two scriptures where it gives us quite a cool picture of what worship is like in heaven, and then we can look at where do we, how do we match up with, with those pictures that we get there. So I want us to, it's like, a, it's like a composite. So sometimes there are things that are repeated in both scenes, and sometimes there are extra things. So I want us to look at all of that. And it's Revelation 4, verse 1 to 11, and Isaiah 6, verse 1 to 4. Um, and I actually want to encourage you to close your eyes. I'm going to read this for you. It's sometimes a bit difficult because it's a long passage. And just visualize it for yourselves. Um, I'll read both of them. So Revelation 4. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles and rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns down before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And then Isaiah had an experience, and he said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Yeah. So I haven't experienced something exactly like that yet. But I really I'm really looking forward to the day when we do. It's it's I find it quite overwhelming. If I actually think about it and I actually picture it, it's quite overwhelming. So I want to look at a few elements that we see in these two scenes, um, and then we'll go into it a little bit and see, do we have that here on earth, or, or where are we at? So in the first place, there's an invitation. It's actually Jesus that's speaking in Revelation. The, the words are in red, so it's Jesus, red letters, um, where he says, come up here. And with our worship, we can know that there is always an invitation. It starts with an invitation. Then says that in, um, in the Revelation Scripture, it says that at once, at once he was in the Spirit. Um, and this shows us that we need to engage our spirit in worship. So we are made up of body and soul and spirit, but the Word says that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth, which means we really have to engage our spirit when we worship him, if we're to worship him as he should be. Then it says that I saw or I looked and behold. So there's this focus on actually seeing. And what I see in that is an intentional action. There's a, there's a looking, a seeing. And um, that happened to both John and Isaiah. They both had to look and they both had to see. And what that tells us is that worship starts with actually seeing God. We need to be able to see him 
and have a revelation of him to be able to worship because we want to worship who he really is. So we want to see who he is. Then there's a description of the Lord. Obviously, this is the, the big focus. Okay. So what is the Lord doing? In, in both of these scriptures, he's sitting, actually, which is interesting to note. Um, and what it shows us is that he is in a place of rest. He's sitting. And he's in control. So there's a scripture in Psalm 29, verse 10, which says that he is seated above the storm which shows how it doesn't matter what is going on, um, he is at peace. He is always at rest. And I, I find that so comforting um, for myself. Like when I worship him, I can always come and know he's not in a flap. You know, he's not panicking, running around, worried about things. I might be, but he is perfectly calm and he is perfectly at peace. And yeah, I just find that very comforting to know. And then where is he sitting? He's sitting on a throne. Again, in both scenes, he's sitting on a throne. And the throne symbolizes authority. It symbolizes sovereignty and judgment. And it's a, it's a serious thing. If you come before a king and he's on his throne, it's, it's serious. Um, and it means we're also in a throne room, which is a, it's, it's quite something to be in there. So to acknowledge his, his authority and his honor that's due to him as a king. We see him sitting on a throne. It then describes that he's high and lifted up, which means that his throne is over every other throne. In Revelation, the 24 elders, they also have thrones, but his throne is like way, way, way more incredible than the other thrones that are around him. And um, it shows us that he, he holds a place of superiority. There's no competition for him there's no contradiction of him. You don't, you don't argue. <laughs> you don't back chat. You know, you don't negotiate. Because, the, I mean, you know, this is, yeah, he's, he's high and lifted up. He's on his throne. Then it describes in Isaiah how the train of his robe fills the temple. And it's, it's one of those scriptures I just read so many times. I'm like, yes, the train of his robe fills the temple. And if you think about it, why would they describe that of all things? Why the train of his robe that fills the temple? So I, I prayed about it a bit. And so don't, I mean, this might not be the most theological answer, but these are the things that the Lord showed me when I was praying about it. Um, he said that it's, it's an indication actually of the wow factor of God. Like, this is amazing. Just, just the train, and the train is also um, described as being the hem. So just the edge, just the edge of his robe is like, filling the temple and that's that's just the edge you know so it really it's amazing and um three things he showed me the one is accessibility if you're standing this okay we're in the temple and his robe the train the him is filling the whole place it means any one of us can reach out and touch him we we can access him and it reminded me of just the story of jesus and the woman with a flow of blood how she pushed through the crowd and she grabbed hold of the hem of his garment. And he said, Where, how has virtue gone out of me? And it's just, it's such a beautiful picture of actually grabbing hold of him and being able to do that. And it also, it also sort of describes his wealth. It's so opulent. There's so much of it. It's so, he's so rich. He, you know, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and that is the kind of a robe <laughs> that the king of kings will wear. Um, and then it shows abundance, that there's more than enough. There's more than enough for, for everyone. There's more than enough of him for everyone. Um, then it says that he had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and another one said rubies, and another one said Sardinian, and it's just lots of gems, gemstones and things. And I, like I really got the picture that he, could, he just couldn't find a, a way to really describe him accurately. It's like, I, I actually don't know how, what to compare it to. I suppose you'd say it's something like this and that and a little bit of this all sort of together. So, yeah, I love that it's just beyond description. Um, and what it does show us is that his face is so bright that he couldn't actually see physical human features or physical features of his face. Um, and it reminded me of the story of Moses when he, when he wanted to see God, but he actually couldn't. 
and, and how God had to sort of hide him away because it's just too much. You're not going to cope if you see my face. Um, yeah. And the next picture, there's a, there's a, that's a depiction of it. When I came across that, I was quite um, sort of taken aback. I think I, I don't know about you, but my pictures of heaven are like clouds and sort of pretty colors and maybe some flowers and things. And this just gave me the impression that it's, it's, it's really wow. <laughs> and and a li- little bit, it almost makes me a little bit sort of um, nervous, like to be in the presence of that, you know, <laughs> which I think is, is a good thing. And I, I feel that that's something the Lord is wanting to do in us is to bring back the wow factor, the, the incredible awe of what, of what his presence is like. Um, of course, this is an artist's inter- interpretation, but it, it, it really struck me. So the next element that we see is the, um, the seraphim or the angels or winged creatures who were leading worship. They're the worship leaders. Seraphim actually means the burning ones, which means that they potentially, I mean, we don't know exactly what they look like, but they could be, I think they're like angels on fire, basically, just quite, again, quite intense. <laughs> so, um, but, th- but those are the worship leaders uh, in those scenes. And what we see from them is their attitude in worship. Um, and I specifically want to look at the, the angels um, as they're described in Isaiah. They had like six wings. And it's interesting to see what, what they did because they covered the top, well, the two of the wings they were using to cover their faces. Okay? Two of them were used to cover their feet or their lower parts. In some cases, they were described as the more dishonorable parts. And then two of them are used for flying. And what it shows us in the first place, those covering their faces is, again, a respect for God's glory. It's actually, um, it's actually too much. And I can't, I can't look directly at you. And then secondly, covering the lower parts is modesty and humility. Um, and and their, their wings that are ready to fly symbolize a readiness for instant obedience. They're ready. Like if they're worshiping and the Lord says, right, go, they are, they're ready. They're already, you know, on it. And it did make me think, I, I many times have received some kind of a conviction or some kind of a mandate from God, actually, during worship. Sometimes worship is the place where, where he gives us the, you know, the command to go. Um, and our attitude should be one of readiness for obedience. Um, it also, the scene shows us corporate worship, which is interesting. Both scenes are corporate worship, which means there's a whole bunch of people together, worshiping together, which is what we're doing tonight. Um, and it just shows me the importance of it. It's, it's very important also to worship in your own time, very important. But there really is something very special that happens when we come together and we worship together. Um, and we, we make a sound together that honors him and glorifies him. And then we also see that it says that the angels are doing this day and night. They don't stop at all. They just keep on going, which is incredible. Um, Yeah, so good to note. There's another picture, just a different depiction of the scene, which is also quite awe-inspiring. Yeah. And then we look at the content of their worship. What is it that they're saying as they're worshiping? And we see both cases. It's it's really interesting how many similarities there are between the two two scriptures. and in both cases, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's how they start, both times. And the word holy is repeated three times, um, and that is sometimes referred to as an emphatic triplet, which is a way they used to write, because they didn't have, um, they didn't have a, a, what do you call it, punctuation. So they would often do that to drive home an emphasis on a certain thing. Um, and sometimes it's also shown to be like... Uh, it's about basically like saying holy, holier, holiest, like it's the most that you could be. So that's, that's what they're saying. Now the question I asked myself when I saw it is why 
Why holy? Why in both cases did they focus on the holy? Why didn't they say loving, loving, loving is the Lord God Almighty or powerful, powerful, powerful? Or why did they choose holy um, of all things? And I don't really have the answer, but it shows that it's really important. And if, if worship in heaven is God's will and that is what they keep saying, then that's something we should take note of. So there's quite a cool, I'll put them up there. John Piper tries to describe holiness. I think everyone struggles to describe holiness, but he, he describes it that as God is in a class of his own, his value is supreme, he's unique, his character is unimpeachable, which means you can't fault him on anything. So he's, he's perfect. Um, and the words that they use that are translated in, um, from the Greek, I believe, speak about sacred and saintly and blameless. And again, it just looks like we all struggle to find a good, a good description of holy. But um, that is what he is. And the picture I also get from it is just in the beginning of our worship to acknowledge that he is, he is other. He's not like us. We are limited. We are imperfect. All of this. But he is, he is God. He, and he's incredible. And he is holy, holy, holy. Um, and then they go on in the one, they say the whole earth is full of his glory. And the other one says who was and is to, and is and is to come. And it sort of looks to me as if there's no, there's no end. You can praise him in so many different ways. There's so many different things. There's so many attributes that you can keep worshiping about all sorts of things. And you probably will never end, which we won't. Eventually, we won't. So, yeah, there's a new song to be sung all the time. And then the effect of the worship, it says that the foundations and the thresholds shake physically, and the house is filled with smoke. That's pretty, that's pretty hardcore. Um, <laughs> and um, just that, that part of the house being filled with smoke, it reminded me of the scripture in um, 2 Chronicles 5 where Solomon had built the temple, and they started to minister, and the, and the cloud of the Lord's presence actually was so overwhelming they couldn't they couldn't minister it was incredible and um, yeah I just I was reminded of that scripture with with us being filled with smoke and then just to see how both in both cases there's a display of power there's like something manifests physically in the building um, wherever they are and to understand the power that there is in worship when we worship we might not see the physical smoke happening or we might not feel the earthquake or see the doorposts shaking. But in the spirit, it's incredibly powerful when we, when we truly worship God, to be aware of that. And then there's a response, an appropriate response. And um, we can look at that. This is the, the 24 elders. And it says that the 24 elders fall before him. They fall down before him and they cast their crowns before the throne. And there's a lot in that that we can see. The first, the first is the fear of the Lord. It's clear that, there's, that, that they, they're not going to stay. Remember, they were seated on their thrones. Then this holy, holy, holy worship happened, and they're off their thrones, and they're on the floor, and they're face down, and they took their crowns off, and they've laid them down. Um, so, so there's a fear of the Lord there. There's a humility. Um, just read that James 4 verse 6 says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So it shows us again what our attitude should be like in worship. Are we humble when we come before him? It shows self-denial. Um, there's a scripture in Matthew 16 verse 24. It says, in uh, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. They cast their crowns down, and it shows us that they submit their own glory. Any, any credit that they might get for anything they might have done, they take it off, and they submit it, and they offer it in, in worship. And it shows bringing, bringing our best to God and submitting all that we have to Him. Um, yeah, Even those things that might mean the very most. If I was given a crown and a throne in heaven... Um, then that crown would probably be the most precious thing that I have. Um, yeah. 
And then it shows us physical bodily expression of worship. They fall down, they're face down on the floor. Um, there's a picture, the next one's a picture. Again, just like an, an idea of what it looked like. Um, and yeah, it, there's a lot of support in the word for physical expressions of worship. We, we do it fairly freely, lifting our hands or clapping or sometimes dancing or kneeling or bowing. And yeah, I just want to encourage you in that because it, the scripture is full of it. There's so much of it um, in, in worshiping. And yeah, if anybody needs scriptural backing for that, I can give you a couple of scriptures to go and read. And then, yeah, the word worship itself comes from the word proskuneo, well, is actually the word proskuneo. <laughs> it means to kiss toward, which is an interesting picture. But it, it gives you the idea of, of leaning towards, but also bowing down, bowing over, bending over at the waist, and showing, um, showing adoration and showing reverence. That is what the word really means at the root of it. So that's how it's done in heaven. And <laughs> so let's look at how, how it could be on earth and, and where, we, where we fall. So firstly, we can look, are we, are we invited? Is there an invitation to us as well as there was to John in Revelation? Um, and yes, there is always an invitation. God doesn't just invite us into his presence. He wants us to abide. He wants us to live in that place, actually. Um, in John 15 verse 4, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. So that's actually more than just come on in. It actually is a should be a, a permanent kind of a place that we're in. The question, though, is you have a choice whether to accept that invitation or not. And you might not realize it when we come here on a Sunday. There's actually a decision for you to make. Do I, do I come? Do I actually step in? Do I accept that invitation um, or not? And if you, if you find that just in terms of the presence of God, the presence of God is with us and it's around us all the time. If you find that you struggle to, to access that or enter into that, then a simple way of actually getting there is through praise and worship. The word says that you enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And you'll see when, when, when Emily is leading the worship, usually the beginning song or two would be praise and worship because that's how we enter in to his courts. So it's a good principle, even in your own time with the Lord, if you feel like you're struggling to connect maybe with him or something, to start off just with thanksgiving for a while. Just give him thanks or just praise him. Um, spend some time with that. And yeah, you'll soon, you'll soon experience his presence. Then can we be in the spirit? I, I hope that we, many of us experienced that tonight. Yes, we can definitely be in the spirit. But again, it's actually an active thing. We need to decide to engage our spirit. So um, it's, not, it's not like we just sort of rumble in here and we are engaged already. It, it, you need, it's a discipline. And you need to, again, actually make a decision to do that. Um, some practical things for me, if I'm, if I'm sort of, you know, coming in kind of distracted in that is, is firstly closing my eyes helps me a lot to cut out any, any other distractions um, and then to try and empty my mind of anything other than God. Um, then to also just make myself quiet before him and become aware of his presence. You actually, um, with your spiritual senses, trust that you can sense him in some way. And... Um, I also often will pray in the spirit or pray in tongues so that my spirit connects with his spirit, and that often helps me as well. And if I'm really distracted, sometimes I actually just jot down whatever it is that's plaguing me, and I'm like, park there, you sit and you wait until I'm done, get to you later. But to be, to be active, not just sort of, oh, this test tomorrow, uh, oh, sorry, I must worship, oh, but this test, you know, or work, work, or whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, take authority over it. Do something with it. Don't just let it hound you all the time, um, because that's that's what the enemy uses to keep us keep us out of the Lord's presence and out of His spirit, away from His spirit. Um, okay. Then then it spoke about I saw the Lord, or um, I looked and behold, and 
So the next question is, can we see God? Now, I haven't seen him with my physical eyes before. I don't know if anyone else has. Um, but we do have, we can see in the spirit as well. And what I often do is I just take some time to, to ask the Lord to show himself to me when I'm starting worship. And um, basically what I mean is I sort of visualize him. I ask him, you know, also to show himself to me. And, um, yeah, so it's, it might be different at different times. Like I come in at the moment for some reason. I don't, I don't know why. But when I, when I try to visualize the Lord, I see him with fire in his eyes. That's just where we're at right now. But, you know, I don't know, you know. But, <laughs> but you, might, you might ask him to reveal himself to you, and then he's, he shows you himself on the cross. Or he shows himself, you know, extending an arm or, like, inviting you. Or, you know, it could be anything. And that's the beauty also of your own personal relationship with him. Um, so, yeah, ask him to reveal himself to you if, you if you're struggling with that. And then... Yeah, and then, we, and then we looked at the Lord, um, and we, the question is, is the Lord here as well? Because in those scenes, he's clearly there. He's on a throne. It's crazy. It's wild, but he's there. Um, so is he here? And yes, he is. He's with us. He's always with us. And we actually have such a, we're in such a privileged position compared to, for example, the people in the Old Testament. They had a tabernacle. And they had to go there. Um, but with us, we can, we can access the presence of God anytime, anytime. Um, and it's important for us not to take that for granted. Um, so, yes, he's always with us. Yes, he's always here. Um, and so the important part here is actually then to focus on God, to focus on him on the throne. And why I say that is because there's many times when God isn't actually on the throne in our worship. Sometimes, um, sometimes our feelings are on the throne. Sometimes we let our feelings dictate how we worship or when we worship or if we worship. Um, sometimes we idolize. I, I used to do that, actually. I, I loved the hype of worship. I loved the, the feeling I got. I got all, like, swept up, and it was, like, exciting, and everyone's in it. And I lived from, like, one worship service to the next, looking for that kind of high that I got. But actually, it wasn't God that I was worshiping. I was worshiping that feeling. I loved that feeling. Um, so to be aware of that, because when we worship, it is a great feeling, because God made us that way. So he designed us like that, but, but that is not what we worship. We worship God. Um, we also, we can struggle in two ways also with pride, and the one is with arrogance. Um, Sometimes we, we have a sort of an attitude of, of, well, the Lord is lucky I came to church today. I made time for this. Here I am now. So, you know, and is it really is it going to be a lot longer now? You know, how much longer do you think it's going to take? And that kind of attitude, which, which we, don't often, we don't often put two and two together and look at that as, as any kind of arrogance or pride in our own lives, but... Can you imagine coming into that scene that we saw just now and being like, hi, all, I'm here. Aren't you lucky I'm here? You know? <laughs> it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't make sense in the presence of God. And that is, actually, that is the presence of God, is, is actually that. It's, it's that overwhelming. It's that incredible. Um, and sometimes we're, you know, like, I'm, oh, I've got a fabulous voice. <gasps> You're lucky I'm singing to you now, you know? Um, or the way I play, or, you know, and it's, we kind of laugh, but it's actually, uh, don't forget that there's also an enemy that hates that we worship. It's an insidious way sometimes that he creeps in there um, and brings the focus onto ourselves. And then another way is through self-consciousness. Sometimes we're like, oh, I've got a terrible voice. I can't, I can't sing out loud. Somebody next to me is going to hear me. And I actually went through that at a stage where, um, where I just was like, what am I doing? Why am I in a band? And it's just, my playing is really pathetic, or my voice is, I can't actually sing in front of people. But, you know, very much, st I struggled a lot with stage fright when I used to actually study piano. I ran off the stage once at school, and the other time I played in the band, and the worship leader told me that was just awful. 
So a couple of times I was like, why am I even doing this? And until the day that the Lord said to me, your self-consciousness is still self. It's all about you. And I, you're getting in the way of my worship. And so, so when that's your attitude, you are actually stopping worship from coming out of you to God as it should. So just be aware of that as well. Don't, don't get in his way. <laughs> you know, and give him, give him what's due to him. So on that note, which helped me, if you struggle with that, um, ask God what it sounds like when you worship him. That's what I did. I was like, oh, that's cool when he told me. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, you know. So, you know, you might not like your voice, but God gave it to you. He made you. So he knows what he put in your vocal cords, and he wants to hear what's in there. So, yeah, just remember that. And then it speaks about the seraphim and the angels that are leading worship. And um, for us, I think that they are perhaps up here, but we just don't see them around the worship team. Maybe they're up there. That would be pretty cool, actually, up on the stage. That would be awesome. Um, yeah, so we have appointed worship leaders and facilitators who kind of do that job down here. Um, but what I see with that, is in the sense that they continuously worshipped, that that we can strive to that, towards that. We can strive to worship continuously. Um, and a couple of practical ways of doing that, I, um, I try to, like, saturate my life in worship. I worship or try to worship in the car, going to work, coming back. Um, it helps with road rage as well. And um, I sing quite a bit in the passages at work. I don't know what they think about that, but it doesn't matter. And, um, and then also at home quite a bit. And um, I listen to worship music in my ears if I can't have it out loud. Um, or have, just have worship rolling around in my head during the day. And, like you can actually ask the Lord like creatively, how do you work worship into your life all day, every day? Because there's, there's certain times where there's sort of like, you know, times when you're not actually thinking anything or focusing on anything, you know. Um, and you can work worship into lots of areas of your life if you, yeah, if you let him show you how and where. Yeah, I don't know how to worship at night while I'm sleeping. But um, maybe that's the, the shadow part we're not going to get beyond until we get to heaven. We don't need to sleep. Okay, then the content of our worship. Um, yeah, firstly, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Just important for us when we worship to proclaim the truth of who he is and to recognize his holiness, to recognize his otherness. And um, then I just want to speak about free worship a little bit, like just see it like those angels then went off onto their tangents of like who was and is and is to come and the whole earth is full of his glory. And, and yeah, I want to encourage us all, I'm not sure if everyone knows what free worship is, it's a term we use often in the band, but basically times in worship, um, like this evening where there's just instrumental playing and it's actually a gap for you to sing your own song to the Lord. You can bring something that's really personal and intimate between you and Him, you can bring to Him in that moment. And, and I, I often see, especially when I'm in the front, people don't really know what to do or they, some people feel a bit awkward, but don't, like really just go for it. And, and what I often do in those times is I'll sing about what the Lord is showing me at that time. So in, in this time of my life, recently I went through a time where he was talking to me a lot about his power, and I was like, oh, do you, can you really do everything? I was kind of wrestling through that. And in those times, for example, I would free worship, and I would say, you are strong. There's nothing you cannot do. Nothing is impossible for you. And that, that's what I would worship in those free times. That's the song I would bring to him. And other times, I don't have anything particular. I say, well, what do you want to hear from me? You know? And then we sing that, sing that for him. So it's, it's a very cool, um, it's a cool opportunity for us. And, you know, I want to encourage you to, to make use of it. And then what is the appropriate response from us? Okay, the first, the first thing is the fear of the Lord. Um, and by the fear of the Lord, I mean approaching God in awe and reverence and honor. Um, the opposite of that would be being casual with him or being familiar, um, like he's your buddy. And, and I know a lot of people, um, qu quite a lot of people have that kind of idea that God is, 
is there Buddy or is there man upstairs or something like that. But in, in his presence, that's like it's not acceptable. He is the king of kings. He's the king of the universe. Um, you don't get greater than him or more powerful than him. Um, there's a scripture in Hebrews 12, verse 28 to 29. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. So, so reverence and awe are acceptable. That's acceptable worship. For our God is a consuming fire. Oh. That's, that's who he is. He's a consuming fire. And I believe that, that this is something sometimes in our charismatic kind of movement that, that we don't always get right. I think there are times that we are too, we, we're too flippant, we're too casual in the Lord's presence. And I, I see it manifesting in, in little ways. Um, you know, worship and we're texting in worship, chatting to somebody or, or chit-chatting or do we honor the, the, the space when we come together? Or, you know, are we habitually late to come into the presence of God together? Or, you know, so I really want to challenge you, each one of us, me too, because I've so, so been in the wrong place with this, um, to, to consider ourselves and whether we truly, whether we truly fear the Lord, actually. Um, and, yeah, I think sometimes we, there's, there's a lot of emphasis on the grace and the love of the Lord, which are there and they are true. But it's balanced with the holiness of God and the fear of the Lord. And wh what the Lord actually said to me a while back was that the love of God is so much sweeter when you have the fear of the Lord. Because if you have an understanding of this king who is not to be trifled with, it's not to be messed with, and yet, with everything that he is and everything that he does, he wants to know me. That's mind-blowing, you know? Um, so, so his love and the fear of the Lord go together. And the word actually speaks about the fear of the Lord 300 times. And we, we kind of dodge it a lot. We dodge that issue quite a bit. Um, so I want to encourage you also. I did a whole study on the fear of the Lord last year. It opened my eyes so much, but there's a beautiful, um, there's just a clip that I, that I remembered from Narnia, guys, I love Narnia, I don't know if, any, if there's any disapproval in the room, but Narnia, is, I like it, and um, a clip uh, between Lucy and Aslan, which just for me beautifully shows both the fear and the, the wow, the otherness of God, and the love of God, all kind of at the same time, so maybe if you just look at that. stop you from coming to me I'm sorry I was too scared to come alone why wouldn't you show yourself why couldn't you come roaring in and save us like last time things never happen the same way twice dear one Yeah, so, yeah, I hope you see there just the, man, like the power, the majesty, and at the same time, the love, and how welcome we are. Um, 
Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. Ephesians 3 verse 12 says, in, in him we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Um, but sometimes we, we mistake boldness and confidence for, um, for familiarity and for, for having like a right, like, you know, a demand to be, to be in his presence. And it's just good for us to take a step back and, and remember, remember what a privilege it is. Um, yeah, so then um, we saw also with those 24 elders, humility and self-denial, bringing our best, submitting everything to him, surrendering completely and physical bodily expression. Um, and just with those crowns, it, it, to me it signifies really bringing anything that we value. So anything also like our status we might think we have or our accolades or, you know, anything we think we did pretty well, you know. Even gifts that God has given us should all be submitted back to him in worship and all be brought to him in, in worship. And there's, there's no part of us that is, that's so cool that it's not overshadowed by his glory and by his, his majesty. And then those physical bodily expressions, um, there's another, just another picture right at the end there. Next one, yeah. That one. Just another picture of the elders. Um, yeah, there's, there's physical expressions in worship. And I just want to just briefly touch on, on our bodily expressions in worship, um, of worship and our emotions in worship. Um, there, there are times when, when a physical expression of worship, say now lifting your hands, is a natural outflow. Like, this is so cool. I experienced the presence of the Lord, and it's just easy. And then there are other times when it's not. Sometimes you really don't feel like, any of it, um, you know, often due to your circumstances where you're at. But it's important to give God the worship due whether you're there or not. Um, it's a decision that we make because he is always worthy. He, his worthiness doesn't depend on whether we're having a good day or not. He's always worthy of, of that worship. And what, what sometimes what has happened to me, I think a few times before, is that um, maybe I'm not in a great space, but then... I worship, and, and I often just bodily expressing worship, my soul, my emotions, and my spirit catch up. So I almost would do it in faith, and, and then everything else lines up as well. So just to bear that in mind, and, but especially just, you know, to decide to worship on, on good days and bad. And also just how precious worship is when it's hard for us. When it's, when it's difficult for us, that's actually really really very special worship to bring because it's an offering that's costing you something. So, so to remember that and, and almost be, <laughs> be dogged, like if it's, going, if it's going rough, you know, if you're having a tough time, then to be like, I will worship. I will worship harder, you know. <laughs> I will put everything into it um, now. And then it is possible to go through the motions to do everything that looks like worship and not truly be connecting with God. And I think, you know, some of us might have experienced that before, and sometimes that causes you to be like, you know what, I don't want to be fake or sort of hypocritical about it. So then you kind of hold back. But it's not a, it's not a good reason to withhold the worship that is due to God. Um, so he's our first priority in worship. And, yeah, just giving that glory that's due. And then, again, it's possible to inhibit ourselves because we're worried about what people might think around us when we worship. Um, you might be sort of feel awkward or whatever. But to remember again that that means that your focus is on the way you look in the moment and the way um, people perceive you, which again is focusing on you. So to remind yourself um, of, of who is on the throne and who needs, who needs to be receiving this worship. And then around emotions, I know there's, um, like I said, you can get swept up into worship and some people avoid um, emotions altogether because of, of that, and you don't want it to be based on the wrong thing maybe, or um, it shouldn't all just be hype, it should really be, you know, God, and really connecting with God, but there is also a place where you do connect with God, and it causes an emotional response in you, and that is beautiful, and that is great, and yeah, I, the most, most I ever cry is when the Holy Spirit overcomes me, so I can't be in worship, and suddenly he is like, oh, and I feel like crying, and I'm like, no, I won't, I won't, it's emotions, I'm not going to cry, I refuse, 
because then I'm not giving him that worship. I'm not, I, this, is what, this is what's happening. So, yeah, to also bring those emotions before him and, and to bring that as an offering. Sometimes your tears in worship are an offering to him. Um, yeah, he might give you joy. He might give you peace in that moment. And to enjoy it, that's, this, is, this is worship. Um, so, yeah, so I really want to encourage us to, to worship him with, with everything we have, with spirit, with body, with, with our souls, our emotions, all of it. Um, and give him, give him the worship that's due to him. It's what he deserves, and actually much more than that, because we're pretty limited in what we can give. So, yeah, I just, I really trust that, that for each one, there may have been one or two things that, that struck, and it might be different for each person, but I really want to encourage you in your own time with him to let the Lord show you where, where does he want to, to change things in your own life. And I, I really felt the Lord, before I even started preparing for tonight, I felt him say that he wants to take us to, to a higher level of worship, you know, so, um, and I think, I think I was actually in a place like, yeah, like I said, kind of complacent, like, I like our worship, it's, it's nice, it's great, you know, and the Lord is like, no, there's so much more, come up here, there's so much more, so, yeah, I trust that you'll also be excited for true worship um, in him, and yeah, Emily's going to lead us in a song. And we can, yeah, we can put into practice now some of, some of this and also take some time. If the Lord, if there's anything the Lord is convicting you of, just, as simple, just repent. And his, his blood is, has paid for that forgiveness and we can accept his forgiveness and then ask him to show us the better way and, and to approach him from now on in, in the way that he deserves. Um, yeah, I'm just going to pray for us and then we can worship together. Our Father, we just bring you, bring you everything, everything that we've spoken about tonight, Lord, and really pray for us as a congregation and us as individuals in our own lives as well, that you would take us up to that higher place, that you would bring us into, into a new understanding of worship and, and a, new, a new place of experiencing you in worship and in, uh, encountering you, should I say. Um, Father, I really pray that you would restore the fear of the Lord to us, Lord, that you would teach us what it looks like. Um, Father, that you remove all, all cultural and societal influence on us that puts us on the throne, Lord, and that you take that away, Father, and that you, that you would take your place again on, on the throne of our hearts as we worship you, Lord, because you, you deserve it, Lord. You are so worthy of our praise and our worship, Father. Yeah, we just come now and, and, and submit ourselves before you, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. Um, and we give you all the honor that is due to your name, Lord. Can we all just stand and... Worship together the band. <laughs> 